Good morning, Angela Yee. Good morning, DJ MV. Charlemagne the God. Peace to the planet. It's Thursday. Or is it? Today's Thursday, right? Yes, today's Thursday. Okay. Peace to the planet. It's Thursday. And good morning, Toronto. This week looked like kind of a blur. I thought uh, today was Wednesday. But yesterday was Wednesday. Yesterday was Today's Wednesday. Thursday. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how it works. Absolutely. Well, good morning, guys. How's everybody feeling? Uh, Blessed, black, and highly favored. Good. Okay, good, yeah. good, good. Shout to uh, my manager, June, again. Yesterday, we kind of, uh, we did like a bike ride for his birthday. You know, we can't Boy, necessarily celebrate his birthday. a lot of riding. We did a bike ride a yesterday for riding. his birthday, so... It, w- it was pretty good. We did about uh, 30, 31 miles. It was pretty good, man. It's, it's, it's really I'm, great cardio, and I'm really, really loving bike riding. Really, really love how much KY, how much, how much KY for 31 miles? Do you have to, like, apply it after a certain amount of miles, or does it pretty much last the whole ride? Well, there is no KY jelly. I said the shorts, they're gel shorts, meaning there's padding in the shorts. So when you ride, it makes sure your mm-hmm. butt is comfortable during the whole 30 miles. Oh, so you don't have to apply it? At, at 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 any time during the ride, you don't apply no gel, bro. You you wear you buy shorts that have the gel in it or padding in it, and it makes it very comfortable for you for the for the thirty miles, which was like a two hour. You're jiggling, hour ride. baby. Go ahead, baby. That's good because you know baby. I have one of those um, spin those spin bikes. Mm-hmm. From Nordic Track, and the one problem is that it hurts. Like you got to stand up on it sometimes. So yeah, you, you some... yeah you buy these, these some, gel shorts. Give us some hits. Yeah, you buy these, these gel shorts, and the gel shorts make your butt comfortable when you ride. It's great cardio. I think I'm down like 12 pounds by, you know, just riding every day. And I don't do 30 hey. miles, 40 miles yes. every day. I do like 5, 10 miles a day just to keep the cardio going. I'm going to get Gia a bike this weekend so she can ride. I'm going to get the kids a bike. It's just easy, but it also gets you outside because a lot of times since the pandemic and quarantine is happening, you kind of get stuck in being inside. But this allows you to get out and let you see different things. You know, we take it to Central Park. We take it to the, you know, the George Washington Bridge. There's so many different things that we get to see, but we get to do it as a family. So I'm you know, excited I'm about that. I'm scared to ride a bike in, around the streets in New York City. It's kind of intimidating to me. Well, it's not that bad. And the reason I say it's not that bad is there's not as many cars on the street. And we do it at times where, like, you know, do it 7 o'clock in the morning on the weekends or in the evening sometimes. So it's not that bad. And they have a lot of bike trails. Like, I'd be surprised. And it's weird to even hear me talking about it because I used to see them dudes on a bike. I'm like, what's wrong with them? But now that I'm the dude on the bike, and I'm like, yo, this is really fun. I have, I'm having a good time. And it's great cardio. But shout out to Fred Witt. I see he rides his bike everywhere. He's been doing that, too. So... Yeah, Fred Witt, which is Terrence J's manager, he's on another level. Like, you know, 30 miles is nothing to him. He does like 122 miles, 150 a miles. Day? Yes. A he, day? He'll ride 12 hours straight, bro. Yep. Uh, 
12 Fred hours straight. I need another job. Fred need another job then if he got time to ride 12 <laughs> he got hours. Yeah, 12 hours to rest straight. But so. it is quarantine, so I guess, yeah, he, he, got, he got time. He got Does time. Fred give you tips on how to properly sit on it? That sounds crazy, but yes, Fred does give me tips. He absolutely positively does. Shout to Fred Witt. Yeah, he absolutely true, positively true, does. True. I, I love it. You. I love the brother. I love the brotherly bonding. I think it's incredible. All right. Well, let's get the show cracking. All right. Vlad. Vlad TV will be joining us this morning. Yes, DJ Flat DJ Vlad is here. And uh Vlad um is, is the newest member of the iHeart Mafia. Mm-hmm. He's the newest member of the iHeart Mafia. So he, he's an interesting person to uh to, to, to talk to. Vlad yeah, I've seen Vlad has built seen, quite the media empire for himself the past. I've seen online that he, he they said that he said that you apologized to him. Yeah, me and Vlad had a conversation a few months ago, actually. Okay, so yeah, I'm sure you Vlad guys will discuss that. Absolutely. All right, well, we'll get into that. And we got front page news coming up. What are we talking about? Yes, the mayor of Louisville is going to be investigated for how he handled protesters and Breonna Taylor's case. All right, we'll get into all that when we come back. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Where are we starting? Well, the mayor of Louisville, Greg Fisher, is being investigated for his handling of Breonna Taylor's case, the death of David McAtee, and the protest that followed. So all these things are being investigated along with the mayor. And right now what they are saying is they are launching this into the action and inaction of the Fisher administration, according to a press release from the city. So uh, I don't know if you guys know the whole case of David McAtee, but he owned a barbecue stand and surveillance footage appears to show uh, McAtee as officers are using pepper balls to clear a crowd and then uh, ended up with him getting killed at a protest. So they are now looking to recommend uh, full counsel for action, but the committee said it's unclear what action will be taken considering that the investigation is just now beginning. Man. Yeah, I was shocked to find out that the Attorney General in um, uh, K- Kentucky, Daniel Cameron, I was shocked to find out he was black. Black. Yeah, I seen that yesterday. I was surprised, I, 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 too. I, that, that is so confusing to me. I don't understand how you can be, you know, any human and see what happened to Breonna Taylor and, and not want to get some justice for her. But that, but, mm-hmm. but to be a black man who I'm sure has sisters, you know, daughters, Mother, who could easily, mothers who could easily yeah. be in that position to where her boyfriend was in, they have to defend him against something like that. I was shocked to find out he was black and he's just sitting on his hands about this this situation. He's the attorney And then you're general. arresting protesters who are exercising their yeah. right to peacefully protest. And trying to charge them with felonies. Like, what's the point of being in that position of power if you're not going to do the right thing by people? Especially your own people. All right, and speaking of doing the right thing, the 2020 WNBA season is starting on July 25th and Washington Mystic star Elena Deladon has tried to opt out of the season. She has Lyme disease and she also wrote an open letter to the Players' Tribune and talked about the issues that she's been having. Here's what she said about the uh, contacting them and asking to opt out. For nine years now, I've been dealing with Lyme disease and other co-infections that have destroyed my immune system and I've been immune compromised for years. So when COVID has come around and I saw that if you're immunocompromised, you have to be super careful. I've, I've been that and I went through the process with the league of submitting all my information. My doctor who's been treating me for nine years submitted a letter basically saying this isn't safe for her. So 
when I got the call that I was denied, I just was completely shocked. Yes, a panel of independent physicians denied her request to sit out this season. And here's what she said she has to do on a daily basis. I take 64 pills a day. I know taking that much medication every day probably doesn't have a great effect on my long-term health, but I love the game of basketball. I found a protocol that sometimes works for me and enables me to play. Yeah, she shouldn't. Damn, she shouldn't be. Yeah, she shouldn't be forced to play, and she doesn't have to play. She shouldn't play, and if she doesn't get paid or if there's a problem, she should sue the WNBA. That's not right. That's not fair. That lady has well, the sad part about it is problems. The sad part about it is, number one, uh, damn WNBA, what do you want her to do, die? And, and number two, she probably don't have the money to sue. How much money you got to sue to go head-to-head with an organization or a, a, a corporation like that? They don't make long money in the WNBA at all. Yeah, but don't I you have a players... Don't, doesn't the Players Union take care of stuff like that? No? I, 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 don't, know, I, don't, I don't know how strong I'm the sure Players Association the, I'm, is. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that they have a Players Union, I, I would assume. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not, but you know what? I don't want to assume that. I don't, I don't know if they do or not. I don't know if, and if they did. Players, you do know. you know how strong they are? How how much influence they they really have? Like the, like the NBA, you you see the players' association and how strong they are. But I think somebody would take that case pro bono. I think somebody would take it for free. Absolutely. They, that is that is wrong. They, oh yeah, they do have a players' union. Can't they um, just put her on injured reserve? Right. Well, okay. I don't know I if she's, coach can do she's not necessarily injured. Hopefully, all of this attention that's been occurring from this will force them to reconsider their view. Yeah. Why is it so hard for people to do the right thing? (laughs) Like, like why don't people have more empathy for others? Like, why can't people ever put themselves in the shoes of other humans? Like, why is that so difficult? Like, grant the woman her request. Her request, yes. She's got Lyme disease. But I've been looking at that. You talk about why can't people do the right thing, right? And I've been looking at all these shootings across the country. And the way people are just shooting recklessly, like in the, you know, broad daylight and kids around during a barbecue. And is it really that serious? Like, is it no, really that serious? You talk about doing the right thing? Right. And, and she's one a, of the stars of the say, WNBA. So. Yeah, that's what our producer just told us. That she's, the, she's mm-hmm. actually the star of the league. That's, 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 that's crazy. crazy. All right, well, get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. Phone lines are wide open. If you need to vent, hit us up right now. The number again is 800-585-1051. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. I'm dialing. I'm dialing. Hey, what you doing, man? I'm dialing. I'm calling you. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're mad or blessed. 800-585-1051. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? Hey, what's up, Amy? This is John. How you guys doing this morning? John, what's up, brother? Get it off your chest. Hey, I just wanted to elaborate on the Della Don thing a little. I had watched the interview a couple of months ago with uh, Candace Parker, and she was just mm-hmm. mentioning how the WNBA, they don't make as much money as when they go overseas to make money. So right. somebody like Della, uh, uh, somebody like Della Don Savage, she probably has money to sue based on what she does overseas, but they say they got to hire their own nannies and stuff in the WNBA, where to overseas, they just make great money. They just play in the WNBA just to help the grow the league, but WNBA has money. Well, they actually yeah, just know. did a, a, a new collective bargaining agreement this year for pay increases and uh, benefits as well. So these are all things they didn't have before, child care, maternity, progressive family planning benefits and travel standards and all of those things. So this past year has been, you know, at least some type of improvements. Well, that's good. I, I think they should let her, you know, be able to walk away, you yeah. know. 
But but all these people that that say they feel bad for the WNBA, you got to support the WNBA just like you support the you gotta NBA. Support you got to buy the jerseys, you got to buy the hats, you got to go to the games. Because if you don't go to the games and support, these players won't won't get more money. Because I mean, it's all in what you bring in. And if the WNBA is not bringing in more money, then they're not going to pay those players overseas. They support women's basketball more than the WNBA. So we got to continue to support the WNBA and the WNBA players. Yes, and shout out yeah, to our New York Liberty with the number one draft pick, Sabrina Ionescu. I definitely own an Asia Wilson jersey. Hello, who's this? Uh, my name is Corey. Everybody call me Ice Knees. I'm from Fairfield, California. Hey, get oh, it off your Ice chest, Knees. You said Ice, Ice Knees. Knees. Yeah, it's like a yeah. Dramos know me. It's like it's like rap name. Oh. You know what I mean? Nickname. Oh, okay. well, how how you know Dramos? Uh, I met him on the internet. I reached out to him to do some music. Oh. I ended up doing a song with him. Wow. Now we got a uh, oh. mixtape coming out. And uh, yeah, I just wait a uh, second. Wait a second, Dramos. The end show. That's, that so, Jamas, you're producing this guy's mixtape? Yeah, we're doing a little uh, collaborative mixtape together. That is cute. That's I nice. So Very glad. That's nice. Jamos on I Icy Knees. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ice Mees, not Ice Mees. <laughs> ice Mees. Ice Mees. Oh, All right. All right. All right. Okay. Ice Mees, even better. A powerful song. And it's on the end of uh, Dramos' new show, What the World Needs Now, that y'all need to tune into because it's going to be the next biggest thing, man, for sure. Hey, Jamos, you got another new show? out there. Yeah, I got a show on uh, on, on Power 105's YouTube channel. A little late okay. night style talk show. called? Called What the World Needs Now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Oh, wow. You're going to get sued. I see <laughs> you making money moves. What the World Needs Now. That's a big record. You can't, you can't get that clear. You're just playing that? Well, I'm not playing the song. I'm just naming the show that. That's, that has nothing to do with the song. By, uh, can Ice Knees you know, or Ice Knees get off what he was saying? Oh, I'm sorry. Ice, oh, you finish? Right. Get off your get off your knees, Ice. Oh, he's off the he's off the line now. But he has a song called BLM that's super super powerful. Oh. Everybody should check out. Okay. I have a question. I need to so know you you, know you hung up on him. So you're you're doing a mixtape with him, and then you hung up on him. Yeah, hard. You don't want him to say too much. He uh, don't want him to say too much. Who, do you know who wrote "What the World Needs Now"? Is love? Do you know who sang that song originally? Was it was it, uh, Joe Cocker? I make that up. You definitely made Joe Cocker up. Whatever your nickname is for Ice Me is. Uh, Jackie DeShannon sings What the World Needs Now is Love, Sweet Love. What does Joe Cocker say? I don't know who the hell Joe Cocker is. All right. Okay, Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. Hit us up now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're man or black. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. So if you got something on your mind, let it out. Hello, who's this? Hey, this is Effie. How are you guys? Good morning. Hey, how are you? you Get it off your chest, what's happening? All right, so I'm upset. I feel like the black community hasn't been taking the whole uh, Buy Black movement seriously. I want to call out celebrities specifically. I feel like we've been like really lax in regards to it. Like we're estimated to have $1.5 trillion in uh, buying power by next year. And I feel like the majority of that is from like, it's gonna be from black celebrities. So I wanna encourage everyone to like take the movement seriously. I have a website called www.takethepledgebyblack.com. And there are uh, actual pledges that you can take. There's one for black customers, there's one for allies, and also black business owners to hold them accountable in regards to, like, customer service. So, yeah, I I, I just want to promote that. Okay. I like that. Well, congratulations. Yes. Thank you. But, yeah, I would really appreciate if you guys took the pledge. So I'm calling you guys out, too. Um, Take the pledge to do what? Buy black? Buy black. Yes. I buy black. I buy black. We've been doing that way before. Yeah. 
I buy black okay, all I'm, the time. I'm I buy black, I'm make black. I'm, I'm asking you guys to, what I'm asking for is for people to replace as many items as they can with black-owned alternatives. So I'm talking about your soap. I'm talking about, like, your dermatologist, your mechanic. I'm talking about uh, your pancake mix, your Band-Aids, like, everyday household items. Replace it with I- black-owned alternatives. My dermatologist is a black woman named Dr. Natasha I, Sandy. You see this glowing skin, boo. Look at me now. Look I at me do, now. I do. I do. I do. I actually looked out, but she's too she's too expensive for me. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. She don't take insurance. She doesn't That's take it. She doesn't take insurance. <laughs> she doesn't take insurance. But no, your skin is absolutely gorgeous, uh, Charlamagne. Hey, now. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for making your uncle yeah. feel good this morning. Well, you have a good morning. You know, the thing that we need is, and I think me and Charlotte was talking about this last week, we need a, we need a place to find all these black-owned businesses. That's the hard part. Like, you know, if you're looking for something, sometimes it's hard to find which business is black-owned, you know? That's what we need. Yeah, yeah they do have a lot of directories. There. So they have, um, like in Brooklyn, they have a website, Black-Owned Brooklyn. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, so I think a lot more of those websites. But they do have... Um, they do have apps and everything that can show you where all the black-owned businesses are. Yeah, like if you want a black-owned a travel agent or a black-owned builder or a black-owned mm-hmm. person that, you know, puts down flooring or, you know, black people that, you know, black-owned people that own uh, landscaping businesses. Like, yeah, I mean, I would love to know all of that. We, we can go to official uh, Black Wall Street. Black Wall Street. Yeah, black-owned mm-hmm. business directory, um, blackbusinesslist.com. And Fast Company actually wrote a great article earlier last month um, it was 10 apps and directories that help you find and support uh, black business. So yeah. look up that article on um, uh, Fast Company. But webuyblack.com is also another good one. That was actually Supportblackowned.com. There's a lot. All right. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, you can hit us up. Now we got rumors on the way. Yes, and let's follow up with what's happening with Nick Cannon. We'll tell you what he had to say yesterday. Also, after he was let go from Viacom CBS. What other companies have cut ties or supported him? We'll tell you what people are saying. All right. We'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. It's time. She's spilling the tea. This is The Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. Well, Nick Cannon, as I'm sure you know right now, has been fired from his positions at Viacom CBS, which means no more wilding out on MTV. That means no more uh, working with Nickelodeon. And he did post a statement on his Facebook page, and he said that he was deeply saddened in a moment so close to reconciliation that the powers that be misused an important moment for us to all grow closer together and learn more about one another. He also has asked for ownership of his MTV and VH1 series, Wildin' Out, as well as an apology for the company. This was the first post that he put up earlier Mm -hmm. yesterday. He said, for Viacom to be so deceptive is no surprise. They have been mistreating and robbing our community for years, underpaying talent on their biggest brands like Love & Hip Hop, all of BET programming, and of course, Wildin' Out. He said, I don't have to defend myself here. The proof is in the history. He goes on to quote the great Shirley Chisholm. He said, I am unbossed and unbought and unbothered. I respectfully stepped away from oppressive corporations in the past. NBC threatened and mistreated me for years, but I was a bigger person and abandoned an eight-figure salary on their number one hit show, America's Got Talent, and currently stand by my friend and queen, Gabrielle Union, in her fight against oppressions. He also talked about his show on Fox uh, television, The Masked Singer, which he also hosts and executive produces, which, by the way, uh, he is still going to 
keep his job there after he did apologize later on after this first post to the Jewish community. He said that after this, he said he has spoken with rabbis, clergy, professors, and co-workers who have offered to help him. So now he is also apologizing for what he had to say on his podcast, Cannon's Class. He said, it, uh, and as you know, Viacom CBS, their initial issue was that he didn't apologize. And so that's why they let him go. Fox is keeping him as mass Singer host after he did apologize to the Jewish community. Yeah, I talked to like eight of my Jewish homies yesterday and every single one of them explained to me why what Nick said was anti-Semitic. And like I said yesterday, we can't tell someone what should and shouldn't offend them. So if Nick learned what I learned yesterday, then he knows what he said was offensive. And if his intent was to not offend, apologize. Simple as that. Yeah, but that that, that was my thing. If he wasn't trying to offend anybody and they said, hey, look, this is offensive. I I don't understand. You know, apology doesn't make you weak. A lot of people think that, oh, you apologize. You so No, it doesn't. If you offended somebody and you didn't mean to and maybe you had your information wrong, look, my bad. That wasn't my intention. I apologize. I I don't understand what's wrong with an apology. People are mad that he apologized. I I don't understand what's wrong with it. Right. He said, first and foremost, I extend my deepest and most sincere apologies to my Jewish sisters and brothers for the hurtful and divisive words that came out of my mouth during my interview with Richard Griffin. They reinforced the worst stereotypes of a proud and magnificent people. And I feel ashamed of the uninformed and naive place that these words came from. The video of this interview has since been removed. Nothing wrong with that apology. Can I address my third cousin on my daddy's side, Candace Owens? Um, mm-hmm. she, she tweeted. Don't even play like that because people are really think that's your cousin. Uh, I was like, I didn't know y'all was I know, people I know, really I know, think that. I know, I know. That'll, that'll be the I headline. I know. Now, now, I saw her tweet out yesterday. I, I respect C to God, but his comment that Nick Cannon's firing proves Jews have the power is off base. Did the hundreds of white people who have been fired over these past few months for disagreeing with the radical goals of Black Lives Matter prove that we have the power? Real quick. First of all, what hundreds of white people have been fired for disagreeing with the radical goals of BLM? Who are these hundreds of white people who have been fired for disagreeing with BLM? Please show me them. But to answer your question, uh, my third cousin on my daddy's side, Candace, black people don't have the power, okay? It's not enough of us in positions of power to have the power, but I think we've built a little bit of power via social media, enough power that we can raise awareness to racism and bigotry, but not the power we could have if we owned more and were in more positions of power. Because when you the boss, when you the boss, you don't have to ask anyone to, to fire someone. You can just do it. And we will, as black people, have that kind of power soon. It's coming. And just like Jewish people demand accountability for racist attacks against their culture, that's something we should all want to emulate and continue to do. Period. All right. Well, Dwayne Wade had tweeted out, Nick Cannon, we are with you. Keep leading. But then he ended up uh, deleting that tweet and also apologizing for his comments as well and his support. He said, I want to clarify. Dwayne didn't know what the hell was going on. He just, he just, he seen a black man down and was like, I'm going to support my brother. That's all he said. He didn't know what his brother did, but he said, you know, I'm going to support. I'm sure he also uh, appreciates the fact that Nick Cannon supports Gabrielle Union, his wife, Mm -hmm. with America's Got Talent. So I'm sure that's probably where that was coming from. He said, I was not supporting or condoning what Nick Cannon specifically said, but I had expressed my support of him owning the content and brands he helped create. I was too quick to respond without being fully informed about his heartfelt anti-Semitic remarks. As you all know, I have zero tolerance for any hate speech. Yeah, once you find out that, you know, once he jumped out there and then he got corrected and got new information. And so he's like, whoa, wait a minute now. I can't stand by all that. That's right. right. If, There's nothing wrong with if that. If it was double I, dutch, I, I he am, jumped in and jumped out. Jumped right back out. Yeah. 
And, and I am happy that Nick Cannon didn't lose the mass Singer. I also hope CBS Viacom comes back around because this is an opportunity for all of us to educate each other. Nick needs to be educated on the Jewish community, and in turn, he can help to educate Jewish folks on the black community because we all have cultural blind spots, and sometimes those cultural blind spots make us perpetuate negative stereotypes that lead to people's persecution, and that's what happened in this situation. But I don't care what nobody says. Black and Jewish people need each other, especially at a time like this. Our struggles are too similar. Two oppressed, marginalized groups need to come together in this moment and fight against the real enemy, which is white supremacy. All right. Well, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your Rumor Report. All right. Thank you, Miss Yee. Now we got front page news coming up. What are we talking about? Yes, we'll talk about a city in North Carolina. They have voted to approve reparations for their black residents. All right. Woo, woo. That's what I'm talking about. We'll get into that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Where are we starting, Yee? Well, North Carolina, a city in North Carolina, Asheville, has voted unanimously to approve a reparations resolution for black residents. Asheville is 83% white and 12% black, and they did formally apologize for the role they played in slavery and implementing racist policies. Now, the resolution is not giving you cash in hand. It's not direct cash payments to descendants of slaves. But what they are calling for is forming policy and programs that will establish the creation of generational wealth and address reparations due in the black community. So it's not super specific. You know, dropping the clues bombs for Asheville, North Carolina, uh, I, I still would like to see the details, but I, I love the idea of it, right? That's the kind of start change that we've been mm-hmm. talking about. That's atonement, acknowledging a problem and then putting something in place to correct the problem that, you know, uh, that you created. Simple as that. So, yeah. All, all right. I'd love to see more and hear more. Mm-hmm. Now, Donald Trump has announced a shakeup in his re-election campaign, and he announced that Bill Stepien has been promoted to the role of Trump campaign manager, which means that campaign manager he has now, uh, Brad Pascal, has been demoted. So he will remain the, with the campaign as a senior advisor heading digital and data strategies. But I guess this kind of caught him off guard as well. So they said that uh, according to people involved in the re-election effort. They feel like he has been uh, been checked out in recent months and other people like Stepien have been shouldering more of the work. What's the, what's the problem? He can't come up with a, a catchy slogan like make America, make America great again this time when that keep America great thing ain't working? Mm-hmm. What's the problem? All right, now a lot uh, of Donald us may Trump have noticed. Just doing what he does best, deflecting, pointing at other people because his, his, his campaign is faltering. I'm sure that the numbers in the polls have uh, caused some alarm to him. And so now you got to figure out what's the problem. If he doesn't think it's him, he's going to think it's the people working on that campaign. All right. Now let's discuss uh, Dr. Fauci, who, by the way, has been on The Breakfast Club before. And it feels like he's kind of been fading away and Donald Trump hasn't been meeting with him. And Dr. Fauci has said that he's walking a tightrope as people are trying to pit him against the president. He said he's apolitical. So basically, he's just trying to do his job. And he said he does have a a good relationship with Donald Trump. And Donald Trump has said the same. So people are are talking about uh, Dr. Fauci. And one person that has attacked Fauci publicly uh, is the top White House trade advisor, Peter Navarro. He said in an, in an op-ed in USA Today that Fauci has been wrong about everything I have interacted with him on. And here's what Dr. Fauci had to say. It is a bit bizarre. I don't really fully understand it. 
uh, if you talk to reasonable people in the White House, they realize that was a major mistake on their part because it doesn't do anything but reflect poorly on them. I can't explain Peter Navarro. He's in a world by himself. All right. We've also found out that hospitals have to send COVID-19 data to the Trump administration instead of to the CDC, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. And they just made that move uh, public on Tuesday. And here is what Dr. Fauci has to say about that. To the president is now a bit indirect. It goes through the vice president. But clearly the vice president literally every day is listening to what we have to say. How does he figure Mike Pence listens? And if Mike Pence listens, why isn't he implementing the things that Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burke and, you know, the rest of them are saying in regards to coronavirus? It seems to me like Mike Pence is, is ignoring the problem, hoping it goes away the same way that Donald J. Trump is ignoring the problem, hoping that it goes away. Mm-hmm. All right. And the truth to the matter is, uh, you know, ultimately, you know, ignoring a problem does not make it go away. And ultimately, it, it leads you to have to deal with the problem it worse. head on. And, Absolutely. Yeah, and Donald Trump, Donald Trump not going to realize Corona is a real problem until he gets it. And what happens if Donald Trump gets COVID around October 21st and has to quarantine for 14 days, which will lead him right into November 3rd? What happens in that scenario? You know he's not going to quarantine. He's still going to walk around and probably without a mask because he, <laughs> no he does not care. No mask He's not Donald Trump is absolutely the person that will get uh, test positive for coronavirus and 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 go out and shake hands and kiss babies. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. He, he will absolutely go do that. Shake He'll hands go. without washing them and kiss babies. What yes, some kids? They, right. What they be doing? They be having them corona parties. He would have a corona party that he would absolutely positively have one. Absolutely. All right. Well, that is your front page news. And no matter where you are, by the way, no matter what city you're in, uh, Walmart and Sam's Club customers have to wear masks. So that's a nationwide thing. And they've made that a a rule in any of their stores. So even if you're in a city that doesn't require masks, if you go to Walmart, if you go to Sam's Club, you have to have a mask on. And in Starbucks and Best Buy, they announced customers have to cover their face in some manner as well. All right. All right, all right, all right. That is your front page news. Now, when we come back, DJ Vlad will be joining us. You know him from Vlad TV, and we'll kick it with him when we come back. All right, it's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Yep, it's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Charlemagne the God, Angela Yee. We have the uh, newest newest member of the iHeart Mafia, <laughs> Vlad TV. DJ Vlad is here. What's up, Vlad? What up, Charlemagne? Uh, my first time on The Breakfast Club in uh, some years now, three or four years, I think. Um, yeah, man. It's been it's been quite a while. I saw you did a No Jumper interview. I did. And I saw you talking. To, I didn't know you and Charlemagne had issues for a while. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I talked about it on the on the No Jumper uh, podcast, and but me and Charlemagne got on the phone before that, and uh, we had a long conversation, and uh, you know, we worked it out like grown men. Yeah, I mean, you know, what, what the way Vlad explained it on 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 No Jumper was was pretty accurate. You know, it's like me and Vlad have known each other for a long time. Like Vlad put me on, uh, he used to do the Beef DVDs back in the day. You actually put me on there twice. You put me on there with Buffy the Body, and you put me on there with with Chingy later on when when I when I got on with Wendy. But prior to that, when I was in Columbia, South Carolina, you put me on with Buffy, and that was like big because that was like national exposure coming from Columbia, South Carolina. So me and Vlad have have always communicated since then. And like Vlad said, like I've, I've been to his crib. His, his, he's a cancer like me, so we've celebrated born days together. And so when I did the uh, the Joe Budden podcast, I didn't know that Joe had such an issue 
with Vlad. You know, so when 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 Vlad came up and he, he kind of just asked me like, why haven't you done Vlad in a while? And I was like, hey, no, I just I, said, I haven't been feeling some of Vlad's content, and that wasn't like a sl- like the, the diss Vlad or throw Vlad under the bus. That was just was the first time somebody had asked me that in a public setting, and I was speaking freely. But I, but you know, like I told Vlad, man, the reason I felt like I was wrong because Vlad Vlad is my guy, you know. So that was a conversation that you know we should have, and I, I think we did have that conversation with each other prior. But that that shouldn't have been a conversation that. I should have probably expressed publicly right there, especially with somebody who actually has an issue with, with, with Vlad. Uh, yeah, well, me and you never really spoke about any issues that you had with, with me prior. I found out for the first time when you did that podcast. That was kind of why I felt, uh, you know, hurt at that time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, me and you had a conversation afterwards. And uh, after that, we just stopped speaking for about uh, two years, something like that. Yeah, but like I said, I told Vlad I, 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 I was wrong, and I apologize for that because, you know, if, if you my man, you know what I'm saying, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like to do things like that. Not, 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 if you my, not if you my man like that, you know? Like, that should, like I said, that should have been a conversation me and Vlad had prior before he heard that on a podcast. Yeah, I mean, listen, and I, we got on the phone uh, a few months ago, and uh, we had a conversation, and I think both of us, you know, kind of sincerely apologized for some of the things that we we said and you know about each other, and did and did uh, at that point. And I think that that was really the whole thing. It was like neither one of us tried to kind of jump away from our responsibility and say, well, you know, I'm sorry you took it that way or whatever else. It was like, yo, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and uh, you know, we got to build again. And like I said, like you had been my friend for like. 15 years or something like yeah. that. Like some, some really, really long time. So, uh, I, I miss that friendship and, you know, I, I miss our, uh, our conversations and communications and stuff like that. So at the point that we got on the phone a few months ago, I think it was dope. And ever since then we've kept in contact. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm glad y'all squashed it. <laughs> Cause Vlad, let me tell you something. I see you've been doing your press run and everything. And we got so much to talk to you about today, but you get a lot of reactions when you talk about things. There's people who, you know, love to come and do an interview on Vlad TV, and then there's people who think Vlad TV is an issue. So mm-hmm. I think it's hard to have it just one way, right? As things get more popular and you get a lot of views, there's always going to be people who have issues. And I saw when you sat down with Benny the Butcher, he asked you about you asking people questions and uh, situations where they might have some type of criminal case or whatever, and people have been like, oh, Vlad is the feds. And I saw what your response was uh, to that when Benny the Butcher asked. So if you could just elaborate on that. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I, I document history. The The job that I do on Vlad TV is really designed to, to be appreciated long after I pass. Uh, for future generations. Uh, I think that if you look at the body of work and the probably over the thousand interviews that I did, and a lot of those interviews are a biopic, you know, documentary type interviews where I tell a person's life story. uh, You know, that's really kind of the main goal behind Vlad TV. And when it comes to a person's background, if a person has, you know, a criminal background, if they talk about it in their music, they talk about it in other interviews and so forth, uh, we're going to ask them. You know, I'm very careful about the type of questions that I ask uh, in terms of I never ask what a person's currently doing. I don't ask about current criminal activities. I don't, I know, I'm very careful about statute of limitations and so forth. I'm not aware of anyone that's been hurt by our interviews. You know, there's a lot of rumors that float around that like, you know, I think there was like this fake meme that, that floated around that 
like the judge in A.R. Ab's case personally thanked Vlad for the conviction, which is just not, it's not even true. Like, I actually went through the transcripts. There's nothing of that sort. You know, I'm glad you said that, though, because, you know, it is people who think law enforcement actually uses your videos to build cases against people. Have, have they ever contacted you and said, hey, could you send that video over, send that audio over? We had one situation uh, with someone that we interviewed. Um, it was an interview we did, and then the person hit me up the next day and asked me to take it down. And I did. And uh, I remember at one point that person did, did get into some trouble and uh, they tried to contact me to try to get the video up and to try to get a copy of the video and we refused. Wow. And they, thre they threatened to put me on the stand and everything else like that. And I'm like, okay, go ahead. So I, I lawyered up myself. And I spent about $10,000 to fight the Justice Department uh, and a subpoena and so forth. And ultimately they didn't get the footage. Wow. All right, we have more with DJ Vlad from Vlad TV. When we come back, don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with DJ Vlad from Vlad TV. Yee. Now, you, you and Charlemagne squash things. You think, I saw Joe Button responded to your interview also. You think you guys could ever mend things? I was looking back at when I was at Shade 45. <laughs> and Joe Button was on, and I had you call in. I remember you were like, "Why did you do that to me?" <laughs> nah, yeah, I remember that that conversation. That was that was, I think, the only time since my interview with Joe Button like twelve years ago that me and him have actually spoken uh, with each other publicly. Uh, well, like I said in the when I did No Jumper, that I don't really have any any issues with them. It's very one sided. I actually had an issue with uh, Crooked Eye at one point based on some footage that we put up. And Royce the Five Nine got us both on the phone. We had a conversation, and we worked it out. And we're friends these days. And uh, I actually, you know, through academics, I said, "Hey, you know, if you want to pass a, a message along, to Joe, let him know that I apologize for some of the, the things that I've said over the years and some of the posts that I've done. And uh, I'm willing to have a conversation with him. And uh, you know, the the response I got from academics was was Joe doesn't want to talk to you and keep that same energy when you see him. So, uh, you know, based on what I saw with Joe's response, uh, he doesn't want to work it out, and, and that's fine. Uh, he wished me the best uh, in my business. I wish him the best in his business. We don't have to cross paths or intersect or work together or whatever else to do well. Yeah, y'all cross paths, paths at the script club. He said he didn't know that was – he didn't realize that was you, though. You know, like the story got a little changed on his podcast, and it made it sound like I ran him out of the club or, or something like that, and that's just not, not the case. We were actually standing outside of the strip club, uh, me and my man Omar, and uh, the door opened, and he walked right past us. I don't know whether he saw me, whether he recognized me, or, or whatever else. Because Joe, you know, on his podcast multiple times, he said that when I see Vlad, I'm going to put hands on him as soon as I see him. Like, he said this multiple times. So, in our eyes, we're preparing for that. You know, we're, we're, we're taking that seriously. I don't know whether he was joking or not, but, but we're taking it seriously. So, it's like, when we go out, we understand that if we run into this guy there might be violence immediately. And that my violence might turn fatal because you never know how, how these types of situations turn out. So we prepare ourselves. Um, you know, we saw him. It was like, okay, we're, we're prepared for, for something bad to happen. I'm not going to be the aggressor, but I, I've never been the aggressor in these types of situations. I don't know whether he saw me. I don't know whether he did it. And I would think, though, just on a, on a basic safety level, if you're out there threatening somebody over and over again, and that person floats around your city, you would think that you would keep tabs on what that person looks like 
just for, for that person's personal safety. But, you know, it's really, you know, the story is the story. And, you know, Vlad, you know, me and you have been in similar situations just for, you know, the, the content that we put out. People don't agree with it. They wanted to put hands on us. You know what I'm saying? Everybody know my can I get a drop situation. Everybody know about you and Raw. So I'm sure that you take extra precautions because that has happened to you before. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, when I go out, uh, I always have security, sometimes armed, sometimes unarmed. Uh, but, you know, personal protection is, is always key when it comes to these types of people, you know, such types of situations. And if you're out there giving your opinion and rubbing people the wrong way, uh, you should be prepared for repercussions of that. The Vlad TV platform is different, though, because it's not like you up there giving your opinion. You up there interviewing other people, and they're giving their opinions on things. So I don't know if you should be taking uh, the heat for things that for things that come out of other people's mouths. Well, at the end of the day, I put it out, so it's mm -hmm. under my umbrella. But regardless of what it is, people will blame the platform for the content regardless of who's actually speaking on the platform. And I'm sure you guys have gotten similar type of criticism. Of over years. All the time. <laughs> People get mad at you for asking a question sometimes. They'd be like, I yeah. can't believe that you asked that. You know, even most recently with me, with August Alcina, they're mad that I asked a question that yeah. people were asking online forever. So... Yeah, I mean, that's how it goes. Do, do you have that Nick Cannon interview lined up? I know you interview Nick Cannon quite frequently. You got and Nick, <sighs> Nick just interviewed you, right? Yeah, I mean, we interview we interview each other. We're all so friends. And when it comes to his current situation, I really don't want to give my opinion until me and him speak on the phone. We were actually uh, playing phone tag yesterday uh, to try to try to talk to each other, and uh, we just weren't able to connect. Mm -hmm. Now, I do want to say, Vlad, you're you're Russian and Jewish, right? Correct. You interviewed Professor Griff. I've never watched the interview, so I don't know what the context was. I just know that you did interview Professor Griff. As a Jewish person, how did you feel about the things he was saying? Yeah, I, I did interview Griff, and I asked him about the, the comments that he made about, uh, about Jewish people. And, and he kind of explained it overall. And, you know, this was things that he said many, many, many years ago. And people evolve, and people uh, change their opinion, and people get new information, and they, uh, they absorb that information, and they start to change their, uh, their viewpoint. So when you get these types of situations like a Nick Cannon uh, or a Professor Griff, uh, I think that it's an opportunity to teach the person. You know, well, not to teach the person, but for the person to kind of learn certain things. you got to understand that me as a Jewish person, being a Russian Jew, nine of my aunts and uncles were murdered by Nazis. So think about this happened 80 years ago. I don't have 40 people in my family because of what Hitler did. Wow. And I think about all the family members that I could have been close to, that that could have helped me, that I could have helped. Yeah, and also, too, man, I think that if you're going to even attempt to have those discussions, have it with a rabbi, have it with a Jewish scholar, you know, have it with someone who can correct you if you say something inaccurate, correct you if you say something anti-Semitic. Like, this, I, I don't see the benefit of, of, of two black people having that conversation, just like I don't see the benefit of two white people having a conversation about black issues. I can't tell you what's not anti-Semitic, same way you can't tell me as a black person what's, what's considered racist. You know, you, you know, Vlad, I want to talk to you about the iHeart thing. Like, like how, how is the podcast going to differ from the website online content? Well, I mean, there's a lot of similarities to it, but uh, a lot of people have been asking for audio versions of, of our interviews for a very long time. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, we finally have a chance to give it to them. So a lot of the content is going to be the same, but there is going to be situations where we premiere uh, certain things on the podcast. So, for example, uh, we just did an interview with Daniel Green, who was one of the two people convicted of killing Michael Jordan's father. So, you know, that was a prison interview. He's actually doing life in prison. So that interview actually premiered last week on iHeart. So that premiered on there first, and then later on, uh, you know, a few days later, then you saw the clips on uh, YouTube and so forth. So it's, it is going to be similar content, but I'm a little bit new in the podcast space. I'm still kind of learning, you know, like I had a, a big conference call with iHeart yesterday. What they told me, which is actually kind of surprising, is that the biggest genre on podcasts is true crime. Yeah, right. right. I'm like, well, that's kind of long. My, my alley, like I do that anyway. <laughs> so it, 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 it's going to be one of those things where, you know, over time, this is just another platform for us, and, and we're going to figure out what works on this platform, what works on, you know, that may not work on other ones. All right, well, don't move. We got more with DJ Vlad from Vlad TV. When we come back, it's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Yeah. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with DJ Vlad from Vlad TV. Yeah. Um, what has been the biggest Vlad TV interview to date with the most views? The most views, I mean, Boosie's usually at the top of the list most times. I mean, there was the interview with Keefe D. That was uh, the the uncle of Orlando Anderson, you know, the one who killed Tupac. And, and it was a firsthand account of the murder of Tupac. And he was actually in the car in Vegas that, that shot up Tupac's car. So so hearing that story from the other side, uh, I think, was, was just extremely important in the Tupac story. Because this is, a, this is a, a case that's still unsolved. People, people were upset about the, uh, the the Daniel Green interview. They were like, "Why, why, yeah. why interview the, the 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 man who said he killed, well, was accused of killing Michael Jordan's father? Why? So why, yeah. why?" Well, I mean, whenever we put out an interview about somebody getting killed, that's always the first thing. But if you look at journalism and media in general, murderers have always been interviewed, and with the conspiracy theories about that story being big because even if you watch The Last Dance, the first thing that happened was, oh, Michael Jordan's father got killed because of his gambling debts. Uh, Michael Jordan's father got killed by the mafia. I interviewed Michael Franzese, who, who was part of the Colombo crime family, who even said that he thinks that it, there was some sort of mafia connection. And I think it was really important to show that the greatest basketball player of all time, his father was not killed because of his gambling or because of the mafia or because of the Illuminati or whatever else. It was killed by two 18-year-olds who lived in a trailer park in North Carolina who were involved in a robbery that turned into a murder. And, and these dudes were, were rookies. They drove around in his dad's Lexus for a week. They made 40 phone calls from his car phone to their own friends and family. And then the guy I interviewed did a, a goddamn music video wearing Jordan's championship ring and watch. No. I mean, this is why he's in prison for life. So that to me is there. And and if you want to get mad at me and and, and say, oh, well, how does family feel and so forth? Whenever somebody gets interviewed who's involved in a murder, you know, people are are, going to feel some type of way and people are going to be hurt and so forth. But Jordan is is a historical figure, and this is now part of his story. And Daniel always said he didn't do it. Yeah, Daniel said that he didn't kill him. He said that he helped dispose of the body because that was his friend. But ultimately, he ended up with all the stuff from the robbery, like all the jewelry. Mm-hmm. So so we don't know. 
you know, after the last dance started, they moved Daniel Green to cell number 23. You know, no, Michael well, Jordan. I catch up on the podcast. I I, 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 I I wanted to listen last week. I'm gonna catch up when I'm in the gym today, though. Is there any story in your career that you regret putting up? Um, I think that there's certain people that I interviewed that that ultimately ended up being somewhat fraudish and ended up kind of taking advantage of people. And I feel that being on my platform and how big it is, it almost helped with the with the scamming. And uh, you know, I'm not going to put any names out there, but but those, those are the type of interviews that I that I kind of regret. Do you also feel like people used to talk a lot more reckless earlier on when you started Vlad TV than they do now, and maybe regret some of the things they've said? No, I think people are just as reckless <laughs> in 2020 as, as they were in 2008. Uh, you know, I almost think people are more reckless because the platforms are so much bigger now, and you didn't really have people getting careers off of viral moments in 2008. You actually had to have a talent. Yeah, you but know, don't you she, think people are a lot more critical of what you have to say now? And like I said, things are going viral and people are really holding people, you a lot more accountable, even with comedians. You know, cancel culture is an interesting thing in, in 2020. And uh, some people have gotten canceled. You know, so, some people ended up in prison. But if you don't end up in prison, how many people's careers have really gotten shut down completely? Especially when they when they create their own content and they own their own production of things, it's pretty tough. Yeah, I never say things and expect for everybody to agree with me. Like I know that it's going to be backlash. Only thing I don't like is being taken out of context. Like they love to use the the the, the Vlad TV video I did, where I talked about when I was 17 years old and I I, I hit I hit a woman, right? And I, I, I thought, I mean, you know, back then I, I might, I, I might have, I would explain it differently than I would now. Back then it might have been a little bit more lighthearted, but even back then I was saying that was wrong. I was up for that, and and I talked about the karma that I experienced because of it. But they would just take a clip of it and throw that out there and be like, "See, look, he hates women. He beats women." Recently, one of the most disturbing things that I saw was uh, me and Lord Jamar, uh, who's a regular guest on the show. We did an interview a few years back. Uh, about Black Lives Matter. And in that interview, Jamar said that he doesn't support Black Lives Matter because he doesn't feel it's black people's movement. And recently, that video has gotten co-opted by a bunch of like right-wing groups as sort of propaganda against Black Lives Matter. So we've gotten a lot of them taken down, but, you know, one of them, like uh, InfoWars, what's the name of the guy? that? Alex Jones. Yeah, I think Alex Jones is one of the ones that used it because it had like a logo of a company that he's associated with. So, yeah, man, it's tough because they'll sit there and chop things up and make it look a certain type of way, and, and you you don't really have full control once you put it out. Yeah, and I, when I when I do Vlad TV again, I want to do um I want to do like a, a a contrast to like my most problematic videos. Like I want you to ask me about some of those. <laughs> you know? Okay. <laughs> those, those 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 videos. Well, that, like uh, no problem, I got you. <laughs> yeah, with that. Well, Vlad, stay safe and give our love to the family. Thank you, thank you. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, looking forward to our, you know Charlemagne back on Vlad TV again. A lot of people have been asking over the years. Nah, soon. Like I, I, I really, I want to do it like how we used to do it. So I mean, I, I think we could do it now, though. Yeah, Charlemagne back on Vlad TV, man. And, and you were actually my first, uh, you know, repeat guest. Really? You were. Yeah, before Jamar and everyone else. Let's think about it, right? Uh, me and you were doing interviews while you were still in Philly. 
Because remember, you and I did the interview about how, you know, when you lost that job. Very prophetic, now that you go back and look at it. Look at it. Yeah, yeah. Before you joined The Breakfast Club, you were doing regular interviews on Vlad TV. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, man, I think it'd be dope. And, you know, at the end of the day, the, you know, you and I had this conversation. Um, you don't need Vlad TV for The Breakfast Club to be successful. I don't need Charlemagne uh, for Vlad TV to be successful. We've both proven that, you know, with us not, not doing anything together for a bunch of years. But we do well together. You know, when we do rock with each other, and when we put that content out, millions and millions of people watch it. So I think it'd be dope to like kind of bring that back and, and, and start on that again. No, we're gonna do it soon. I got, I got one more announcement I want to make before before I come do it. You know, we announced the Comedy Central show already, but we, I got one more announcement. Congrats, we'll come do it. Congrats, and and congrats on the on the uh, the Radio Hall of Fame thing as well. Word. So check out the Vlad TV podcast on iHeart Podcast, and uh, Vlad, we talk to you soon, my brother. No doubt. All right. Peace. Peace. Listen up. It's just in. All the gossip. Gossip. The rumor report. Gossip. With Angela. Angela Yee. It's the rumor report. The Breakfast Club. All right. So, Megan Thee Stallion, uh, there's more to this story from when she was pulled over in the car with Tory Lanez. Now, they were, and Tory Lanez got arrested and has since been released. Now, some people thought that Megan Thee Stallion was arrested as well, but she let it be clear that did not happen. She said, uh, the narrative that is being reported about Sunday's morning events are inaccurate, and I'd like to set the record straight. On Sunday morning, I suffered gunshot wounds as a result of a crime that was committed against me and done with the intention to physically harm me. She goes on to say uh, she did nothing wrong. She said, I was never arrested. The police officers drove me to the hospital where I underwent and surgery to remove the bullets. I'm incredibly grateful to be alive and that I'm expected to make a full recovery, but it was important for me to clarify the details about this traumatic night. I'm currently focused on my recovery so I can return back to my life and back to making music as soon as possible. Wow. Now, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a grown-ass adult uh, husband, father, so I can't keep up with things. That that was re- that really happened? Megan got shot? Because I briefly I saw yeah. something yesterday where they, they were talking about Megan getting shot. She really got shot? That wasn't an internet joke? No, she really got she shot. This just came from her account. This is what she said happened. Was And, and was Tory Lanez really busting his gun? No, she, nobody said it was Tory Lanez that did it. I so thought Tory Lanez we, we got arrested. Know yeah, no, he did get arrested. In the car, but not because oh, he shot Oh, got Megan. you, got you, got you. No, I didn't say she shot Megan. I just said it was Tory busting his gun. I was just assuming Oh, no, we don't know. Tory, I mean... Okay, because in my brain, Tori and Megan was together. Somebody tried to come at Meg. So, you know, Tori had to show them that his height don't fight. His weight don't make him great. So he pulled out that goddamn hammer and started letting things fly. But that's what happens when you don't know all the story. You just make up your own. Now, one of Megan Thee Stallion's producers, uh, Lil Jew, made the beat, uh, tweeted out Tori Lane's counter effing days. And then deleted that message what? after she released her statement. Wow. <laughs> what? What is going on here? Like, count your effing days like I'm coming to see you? Right. And he deleted it, though. Got so many, 2020 Listen, got so many going on. plots and subplots. Yeah. It's just too much. Why All right. The Mi- storylines happening. The Migos are suing their ex-lawyer, and that's because they're saying their lawyer uh, was, giving, was charging overly excessive fees and also for conflicts of interest. Their lawyer is Damian Grant, or was Damian Granderson. They said they were robbed and cheated out of millions of dollars by Granderson. So they're suing for professional malpractice, breach of fiduciary uh, duty, violation of California business and professions codes, unfair competition, and unjust enrichment. Now they do have these documents where the group says that 
their contracts are more in favor to quality control music, their label. And it was a lot of one-sided deals negotiated that weren't in the Migos' best interest. But, you know, he does represent the label and the artist, and that's never a positive thing. That is a conflict. You can't have Conflict artists of interest. Represented by the same lawyer. As a matter of fact, the lawyer's not, not even supposed to do that. Right. That's weird. So, That's strange. I thought that was against the law. Like, there was, I thought you couldn't do that. Yeah, that is malpractice. You can't represent artists and represent the label that they're assigned to. All right. Now, the suit also says that. Mm -hmm. What are you going to say? Now, I was about to say the quality control know that because, but, I, but you know, um, Coach K has been in the industry for a long time. For a long time, yeah. Know, he's represented Jeezy yeah, for a long time. Yeah, but P's fresh yeah. off the street. And, I mean, sometimes sometimes you do that, right? You'd be like, y'all just go let my lawyer handle it. You know what I mean? To save y'all the money on the lawyer fees and stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah, but that you can't negotiate against your own label using the lawyer's label. Yeah, that doesn't even sound right. You know, because the then... Label? Who, the lawyer... You can't negotiate... The lawyer can't negotiate against the artist. That's like you... Say, using the you, same label. You sound with iHeart, but you use iHeart attorney. Lawyer to do your contract. That doesn't yeah. make any sense. You're going to be like, well, they're rocking with iHeart. <laughs> we'll do an iHeart deal, an iHeart contract. You know what I mean? He's trying to give Got you an you. example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like if you work somewhere, you don't want to work somewhere and use a lawyer that your job uses to sign your contract. So uh, now they also said that Granderson initiated a dispute with 300 to facilitate their move to Capitol Records, but that deal was skewed in favor of quality control. And so I guess there were things that they didn't realize were in the contract at the time. Now, P from Quality Control has responded. He said, it's unfortunate that the same people that we have worked hard for, provided opportunities for, and champions for are now alleging that we have participated in any kind of immoral or unfair business practices or took advantage of them. Uh, so... He goes on to say, especially while we are dealing with the death of an artist on our label that was dear to us, we have always practiced honest business and complete transparency from the beginning when we started Quality con Control Music. We built this business on family values. So he said he's made sacrifices and invested and put every dollar, blood, sweat, and tears into all of this. And he will not stand by and let Quality Control's music reputation and everything we have built and sacrificed be tarnished by allegations of unfair and unjust business practices. He also said in that post, everyone has their own lawyers. So I don't know what the hell is going on over there at uh, Quality mm -hmm. Control. Yeah, he said, I understand in this business that you are not always going to end with the people you started with. So he Fast. said, I'm not forcing anyone to be in business with us that has a problem and cannot communicate and does not want to work as a unit. Everything is negotiable. So who's telling the truth in this situation? Because, you know, if, 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 you, got, if you got a lawyer representing the artist and the label, but then... Uh, P is saying everybody has their own lawyers. What is the actual situation here? Well, mind you, this is their ex-lawyer for the Migos, so it's not their lawyer anymore. Oh, got you, got you, got you, got you, got you, got you. I also think, too, man, sometimes artists look at what the label owner is receiving, and, you know, it's hard for artists to understand that you are not the label owner. Yes, you know, you are right. the star and you are the person that's generating the money, but this is not your business. You have a contract to fulfill, and you're not supposed to get what the owners get. Well, you know what it is, too, is, is when you first start off, everybody's pretty broke. You know what I mean? And then, then everybody starts making money. You, you start looking around like, damn, why is that check bigger than my check? Well, because they had to put the groundwork in. When you didn't have it, yes, they yes. had to pay for yes. videos. They had to pay for studio yes. time. They had to pay for wardrobe. Yes. They had to pay for flights and all that other stuff. So, yeah, they, that's their investment. It's an investment. Uh, we don't and, know what happened in, in their specific case, though. So, 
No, we don't, but we do know that CEOs make more than the talent. And honestly, that's the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> I'm the CEO. But you know what? Also, I will say uh, this is true is when you first sign to a label and like you said, you know, you don't know what's going to end up happening. It is time to renegotiate a contract. And that be- that could be because of the success of that artist. Maybe they do deserve more at a certain point. So yeah, I just think in the interest but- of being fair, you do have to do that. But you don't and that's have why to do everything, but you should. Everything, everything you is negotiable. Or you, you don't want people... You don't have to. You don't have to, but you should. Because if you sign a five-year album deal or a 10-year album deal, that's what you sign. You don't have to do anything because that's what you signed on the contract. But in fair business, you should. And even if you still say, say the person was making $5 million and you decide to pay him $50 million. if you can pay him $50 million, that means that you as the CEO are probably making $250 million. You're never going to make as much as the CEO. That's just not the way the game goes. That's why they can afford right, to pay well, you so much, because they're making so much. I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report. All right, thank you, Miss Yee. Now, don't forget, Ask Yee is coming up, 800-585-1051. If you need relationship advice or any type of advice, you could hit Yee up right now. But now we got Donkey of the Day. Yes, and today we're going to talk about uh, all divine everything. Divine misdirection, divine timing, how you ultimately end up exactly where you belong. All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Just don't be a donkey, because right now you want some real donkey It's time for donkey of the day. So if you ever feel I need to be a donkey, man, hit me with the heat. Did she get donkey today? Please tell me. I have become donkey of the day. The Breakfast Club, bitches. You're a donkey. Donkey of the day for Thursday, July 16th goes to a 27-year-old Portland, Oregon man named Randy Lee Cooper. Now, I believe in all divine everything, divine misdirection, divine timing. I believe ultimately you end up exactly where you belong because of the choices you make and the energy you put out. That's why I don't believe in so-called good or so-called bad. I think everything is part of one long process. And even the things you don't want to happen in your life are all part of your process. And ultimately, you end up exactly where you need to be or supposed to be based off the choices you've made up to that point. This brings me to the story of Randy Lee Cooper. Now, Randy stole an SUV, a Toyota Land Cruiser to be exact. And he was driving through the downtown area of Newburgh, home to nearly 24,000 people. Needless to say, if you steal a car and then go drive in what seems to be one of the busiest areas in Portland, it won't take long for police to respond. Well, a chase ensued. When the suspect Randy Cooper realized he'd been identified, he tried to dip on the police. He hit the gas, but he eventually crashed the Land Cruiser into an occupied Buick Regal near an intersection. Officers arrested the driver, and in the process of the investigation, learned that the Buick Regal was occupied but also stolen in a completely unrelated incident okay divine timing you always end up at the right place at the right time right where you were supposed to be okay 25 year old christian nicole Begg was the driver of the stolen buick and when she was found she was under the influence of intoxicants now for the police who made this arrest this couldn't be better perfect dream scenario and clearly there is a problem with people stealing cars in portland i had to do a little research because i started to think to myself man if they ever wanted to remake new jersey drive go to portland i know some of you kids are wondering what the hell is new jersey drive to that i say do your googles but it's a movie about a bunch of teenagers who stole cars just to go joyriding but it was set in newark new jersey which at the time 
Newark was known as the car theft capital of the world. Now, we can set the remake of New Jersey Drive in Portland. Of course, it wouldn't be called New Jersey Drive. It'd be like Portland Drive or something like that, right? And I was reading an article on Forbes titled, Are You Living in One of the Most Car Theft-Prone Cities? Because I had to find out if this was a normal occurrence in Portland. And guess what? Portland ranks number three in car thefts. Who knew? Who would have thunk it? When I think Portland, I think trailblazers, okay? This was a dream scenario for police officers, a nightmare scenario for Randy and Kristen, two individuals who were both doing something wrong, but they so-called wrong, but they both ended up in the same place at the same time. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this is indeed a movie. How can we get this remake done but make it a love story? A romantic comedy, maybe? What if Randy and Kristen grow to love each other in jail? What if they start writing each other in jail, and then when they come home, they get married and end up having two future little car thieves named Ultima and Camry because those are two of the top five easiest cars to steal. Now, Kristen will get out before Randy because she's been charged with DUI, an unauthorized use of a motor vehicle. Randy faces several charges, including unauthorized use of a motor vehicle, attempting to elude police, assault, reckless driving, and other related crimes. But that will make the movie better because she comes home first and waits on her love and refuses to steal another car until he comes home. But when he comes home, they go and steal an Impala. If that happened... Would you believe in divine timing? Would you trust in the perfection of divine timing and allow life to unfold as it should? Would you then understand the lyrics to Doris Day? Kesara, Sarah, whatever will be, will be, huh? I don't know about all that. I just thought it was stupid that two people from Portland both stole cars and then got arrested because they crashed into each other. Uh, please give Randy, Lee Cooper, and Christian Begg the sweet sounds of the Hamiltons. Oh, now you are the donkey. Wait, 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 wait. We're not going to play a game? Ha-ha! <laughs> I thought you would never ask, Envy. Okay. Just what race it is! <laughs> now, Portland, Oregon. Randy Lee Cooper steals a Toyota Land Cruiser, takes the police on a wild goose chase, crashes into a Buick Regal, which is also stolen, occupied by Christian Nicole Begg. Okay, Christian gets charged with DUI. And uh, unauthorized use of a motor vehicle. Randy faces several charges, including unauthorized use of a motor vehicle, attempting to elude police, assault, reckless driving, and other related crimes. DJ Envy, guess what race it is? All right. I've been thinking since you started this, right? I'm, I'm mm -hmm. thinking the girl is definitely white. All right? Now, the reason I say that is because Kristen is a white name and a black person is not going to yeah. steal a Buick Regal. I don't even know what a Buick Regal is. <laughs> what are you talking about? White, black people love Buicks. Regal? What's a Buick Regal? I don't know what a Buick Regal is. If I'm going to steal something, I ain't going to steal a Buick Regal. You going to steal in a my Buick head, Regal? It, in my head, it looks like an undercover cop car, but I don't know. A Buick Regal? Okay, okay. okay. Nah, I got okay. I, I to okay. go white. I got to go I, I, Like, if I'm going to steal a car, I'm going to steal something better than a Buick Regal, don't you think? Don't you agree? No. Okay, okay. Uh, right. Angela Yee. Uh, Portland, Oregon. Uh, Newburgh, to be exact. Uh, Randy Lee Cooper. Stole a Toyota Land Cruiser, crashed into 25-year-old Kristen Nicole Begg, who was in a Buick Regal. That car was also stolen. Angela Yee, guess what 
race it is. I'm going to say Caucasian. Why? Why you say that? Tell us why. Why, say, why do you say? I don't know. When I think, first of all, just the names alone, but I also feel like there's a lot of white people there. So the statistically, uh, statistically, I feel like white, you have a better chance. Angelie is absolutely she's she, she's right about that because the racial makeup of the city is eighty five point nine percent white, zero point eight percent African American, zero point eight percent Native American, two point two percent Asian, zero point two percent Pacific Islander. That is the makeup of Newburgh, Oregon, which is at twenty five miles outside of Portland. Now, what were your answers again, Envy? You said that one was. I think they both white. White. You think they're both white, Angelie? You mm-hmm. think they're both white? Yes. Well, DJ Envy and Angela Yee, you are both correct! Kristen and Randy are indeed Caucasian. Yes. I'm glad it wasn't our 0.8% of the population. (laughs) Can we get this movie made? (laughs) Are are white actors and actresses not in, so we have to do it, uh, we have to add a little diversity and make the characters black? (laughs) Huh? Would it be more believable if it was black? Huh? I think we can get this movie made, man. The remake of New Jersey Drive, a romantic comedy between Christian and Randy. I hope they fall in love in jail. All right. Well, thank you for that donkey of the day. Now, up next, Mm -hmm. ask Yee. 800-585-1051. If you need relationship advice or any type of advice, hit Yee now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Come on. Need relationship advice? Need personal advice? Just need real advice. Call up now for Ask Ye. Keep the bread. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. It's time for Ask Ye. Hello, who's this? Hi, my name's RG. Hey, RG, what's your question for Ye? All right, so my question is um, I'm married and my wife is pregnant right now. She wants to have a baby at home because of all of the COVID stuff, which is fine or whatever, mm-hmm. but we just bought a house. And okay. the midwife wants like 5000 and I'm telling her, like, hey, we just bought a house, you know. So how can I give her what she wants without, like, falling into debt? Give um, the midwife what she wants, the 5000 or your wife? Uh, both, like. So you want to just n- n- bargain, negotiate the cost? I want to pay for it for my wife so she could feel comfortable having a baby. But I don't mm-hmm. want to fall into debt or fall into like a, a hole we can't get out of. Right. And um, a lot of, uh, some insurance does cover. Did you check with your health insurance? Yeah, they, they don't cover it. Okay. Um, so a couple of things here. Did you check with different midwives or just one? Uh, we, we looked around and this was mm-hmm. the cheapest one we could find. Okay. So I do feel like as a one-time cost for something that's going to make your wife comfortable, especially right now, you would want your wife to be as comfortable as possible. So if it might be something where can you do a payment plan? Uh, she says she want the whole payment, the whole five thousand by thirty six weeks. Okay. And okay. and my wife is twenty eight weeks right now, so that's like uh, next month, honestly. Okay. Well, I would try to maybe tell her that you want to negotiate that part of it. Where you, where you can do a payment plan and maybe sign an agreement for that just to let her know, look, this is something that's very important for my wife. And obviously, she's having a baby. I want her to be as comfortable as possible. And I want to make sure you're comfortable with what you're getting paid. The only way I can really resolve that is if we set up this plan 
you know, where I pay this amount by this date and just figure out how you can budget that. Thank you, Angela. And one more thing I would say this, too, since I know you guys just bought a house. If there are things that you can do, because there's a lot of opportunities right now online to make extra cash. Sometimes when I always know I have to do something, I have to go really hard to make that extra cash just to make sure I can make it happen. It might be finding some extra temporary work that you can do. Yeah, like, I don't know. I was looking into, like, some, um, maybe, like, some Uber Eats or something, but nothing is, like, uh, making enough money where it's, like, paying off thousands at a time, so. Right, and it might just be you having to make payments or helping to boost the money that you have, but I do um, think that might be a good idea also, but obviously it's a priority for your wife to have a safe and healthy baby and be comfortable. All right. I agree. All right, so we'll be praying for you guys. Thank you. No All problem. Right. Ask Yee, 800-585-1051. If you need relationship advice, hit Yee now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Here's some real advice with Angela Yee. It's Ask Yee. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha God. We are The Breakfast Club. We're in the middle of Ask Yee. Hello, who's this? Hi, I don't want to stay anonymous. All right, okay. anonymous. What's your question for Yee? Okay, so um, me and my husband have been married uh, almost two years now. Um, before I started dating him, I was dating a lot of women, so I'm not really, like, experienced with, like, the oral stuff for men. So I tried, and he didn't like it, so we haven't had oral sex in a while, but I feel mm-hmm. confident in my ability to perform where he can be pleased, but he won't take me seriously because it's been so long since he's had it. Okay, so you know what you're doing now. You feel confident. Well, I don't, I wouldn't never, I don't even know if I, I feel confident, but I don't know if it's going to be right until, you know, I actually try, but he won't let me right. try because. He doesn't want to be a guinea pig and end up with some abrasions on his penis. Yeah, so I'm trying to figure out how to set it up to where he can be comfortable enough to allow me to um, see, okay, what progression I've made and then go from there. Okay, so look, this is what I think, right? Before you guys get to it, when you're doing your foreplay, you should ask him, can I just kiss it? I'm not going to do anything more than that. And then you should kiss it and then you should tongue kiss it. And then you should just do a little bit more, a little bit more until... You know, he's feeling good about it. And then, you know, that's when you go a little bit more. But just make sure that you keep your mouth very lubricated. Don't use your teeth. Tuck them away. Okay. <laughs> I but I think you, you just got to... I, I think you... Now I'm starting to feel I, less confident. <laughs> why you, why you, sound like you're talking you, about envy bike riding? <laughs> what? Uh, no, we're definitely not talking about that. But I just... Listen, just start it off. So just say, look, I'm just going to kiss it. I'm not going to do anything else. And then when you kiss it, Right? Kissing could mean anything. It could be closed mouth, open mouth. And then, you know, just play around with that area. And then if he likes it, he'll be okay with you going a little further. How will I know if he likes it, though? <laughs> Ask him. Because, oh, because as a man, a man he, may, he may just accept it just because the love of me as his wife, but he may not want to actually tell me that he's enjoying what's happening. So I'm trying to figure out like, what signs I should look for. Well, first of all, there's nothing better than asking a direct question. And you can ask it like, okay, do you like that? Well, tell me what you want me to do and I'm going to do it. And be like, how would you like it better? Well, you know, just ask those questions, but you could do it in a sexy way so that he's Mm going to 
direct you to the way to do it and just be like, look, tell me what to do. Uh-huh. Okay, well, I will try that, and I'll let you know how it goes. Thank you. I cannot wait to hear about it. <laughs> All right, you guys have a good morning. You too. And that was another edition of the <laughs> She had a real That's question. Crazy. All right. She, you, it really me. did sound like you was talking about DJ Envy riding his bike, though. I'm not going to no, lie. No, she got uh, why? Why? Because that's what he did. was visualizing. I, I had to yeah, think about fantasies, it. I was like, what is she bro? talking about? I'm a married <laughs> man. You got these fantasies about me, and I don't like it. I'm starting to feel uncomfortable. You're a liar! <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you? Ask ye, 800-585-1051. We got rumors on the way? Yes, let's talk about Kelly Rowland. She's talking about how she tortured herself and will tell you what thing she was doing that was constant torture for her. All right, we'll get into that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. This is The Rumor Report with Angela Yee. Rumor has it. On The Breakfast Club. So listen up. Well, as you know, Nick Cannon has been fired from Viacom CBS. And Diddy is saying, guess where you can come? To Revolt TV. He went on Instagram and said, the only way we can change the narrative, educate and uplift each other is if we do it together. Nick, my brother, I'm here to support you fully in any way you need. What we are not going to do is turn our backs on our brothers and sisters when they challenge the system. Come home to Revolt TV, which is truly black owned. We got your back and love you and what you have done for the culture. I think that would be dope. I don't I don't think they have enough uh, money to pay Nick, so they would have to do a, a profit split, I'm sure. But I think that would be dope. He needs to educate himself on what's going on in the Jewish community. And then, you know, a, a brother like Diddy wants him to bring, bring him to revolt. I personally would love to see that. Right. And he did. A, and Nick Hannah has since apologized after having these conversations with people about mm-hmm. what he said. All right. Uh, Trevor Noah, in the meantime, is making fun of people who are going to Disney World. You know, Disney World has reopened as coronavirus cases are surging in Florida. On Wednesday, Florida tapped 300,000 coronavirus cases. It's one of only three states with that many. New York and California are the other two. And more than 4,500 people have died and hospitals are filling up and more people are getting sick. And here's what Trevor Noah had to say on The Daily Show as he made fun of that. While hospitals are filling up and more people are getting sick, Mickey Mouse has decided that the show must go on. It's crazy that we're in the middle of a pandemic that's killed hundreds of thousands of people, and there are still folks out there like, life isn't scary enough, let's, let's go on a roller coaster. I mean, look, when my time comes, my time comes. But I'm going to do all I can to make sure that my obituary doesn't say cause of death, Space Mountain. Well, I could play white devil's advocate to Trevor and push back and say, well... For some people who think it's the end of the world, for some people who think these are the last days, and for some people who think they're going to die anyway, if you're going to die, die happy doing what you love. And if Disney and roller coasters make you happy, that might be the move. You might want to die on Space Mountain. Nah, because a lot of people feel because Disney's open, it's safer, and that doesn't necessarily mean that it's safe. I, well, yeah, I they're doing temperature you... checks, mandatory face mask requirements. That means distance. nothing. Those temperature checks really mean nothing because there's a lot of people out there that have it that don't have a temperature. Mm-hmm. All I'm saying is, if you think that you may die, if you think these are the last days, wouldn't you want to spend those last days doing something fun? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but uh, that's if you have it already. But I don't want to go there and get it and then die. Well, well I've never been. Kill you. <laughs> yeah, he said Space Mountain going to kill you. <laughs> 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 he said Corona's. He said Space Mountain. 
All right, now Kelly Rowland is talking about how she would torture herself over being compared to Beyonce all the time. And she talked about this while giving advice on The Voice Australia. Here's what she said. Can you imagine what it's like being in a group with Beyonce? I would just torture myself in my head like, well, I can't wear this dress because they're going to say it's like B, or I can't have a song like that because it sounds too much like B. They're going to compare anyways. I, I would be lying if I said, no, it's never bothered me. That's bull. There was a whole decade that it was like the elephant in the room, but the thing that was constantly be on my shoulder. That is so interesting because I understand totally what she's saying, but I have always seen Kelly as her own individual. That's what I call it a Godiva chocolate goddess. I have never ever remotely compared her to Beyonce or looked at her as lesser than Beyonce. I mean, yes, Queen Beyonce is a superstar. We know that she was the superstar of that group. That was evident from day one. But I still didn't look at Kelly like she was in B's shadow. I just looked at her. She was next to B, not behind her, if that makes any sense. Well, yeah, that's why she was torturing herself, though. She, You know, it wasn't that mm -hmm. it was coming from outside. That was her and her own insecurity. So that's mm -hmm. what her experience was. Now, YFN Lucci was on lip service. And one thing that he talked about was, you know, Regine, her parents, Little Wayne and Toya, would always tell her she could do better, she could do, do better. And how did that make him feel? Listen to this. So when you seen um, all that stuff going on with Regine, and then she had both of her parents basically telling her, like, you know, you can do better, da-da-da. Did that make you feel some kind of a way? ain't bother me because I'm doing better. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I'm Oh, Maybach, I pull up big truck. I let you drive big truck, Maybach. Oh, I ain't tripping about what they saying. But that's how parents treat their kids, right? You know, with daughters and sons, too. Yeah, I feel absolutely. like a lot of mothers, they were like, you could do better than that. You could do better than that. You know, you always feel like that. I would yeah, think. And I, and I hope that, you know, he did say he wants to do better. And hopefully he is changing and he's doing what's right. Well, we he all said evolved. he already doing great. That's good. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report. All right. Thank you, Miss Yee. Now, shout to Revolt. We'll see you guys on Monday. Oh, I was going to say Monday. I'm thinking it's Friday. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Everybody else, the People's Choice Mix is up next. Get your request in 800-585-1051. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got some special guests on the line this morning. We have Dr. That's West right. Bellamy and Candace Hollingsworth. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Peace, King. Peace, Queen. Um, I'm glad that y'all are joining us this morning. Uh, you know, they have been developing something that I think is so dope and so necessary for, for black people, for people who feel like they don't know whether they want to be conservative, Democrat, mm -hmm. Our Black Party is um, what y'all been working on. Talk to us about Our Black Party. So first, I want to thank you guys for having us this morning. It is honestly a phenomenal day for us. We're excited. Um, it's launch day for something that we think is going to, quite honestly, change the world and change our community. Um, our Black Party, honestly, is taking advantage of the fact that this is a moment of collective frustration for everybody across the country. People are frustrated with politics, politicians. Um, and not seeing policies that reflect changes that are going to make a difference in their everyday lives. And our Black Party is is established to be one of those solutions to help make those changes in the political system for um, everyday Black folks. 
So when we think about it, West. it's very simple. Just to add on to, to Candace's point, before you were a Democrat, before you were a Republican, before you were independent or libertarian, you were black. And it's time for us to own our own politics. And specifically, we're trying to use our black party as a vehicle for our voices to be heard on a wide spectrum of things. I love your shirt. My people are black. My, my, so I'm showing, assuming it says my priorities are black. And my politics are black. Why do, why do more people don't subscribe to that? More black people. Well, I think we've been conditioned to, to not necessarily value ourselves all the time and put ourselves or center ourselves first. We've always been told that from the political uh, scheme and the political game is a white man's game. It's a white person's game. When you think about disenfranchisement, when you think about voter suppression, when you think about just the lack of African-Americans who have been in elected office, it's always been something that only one or a few of us have access to. But we want to change that, and we believe that our Black Party, again, is the vehicle to do so. We have a platform in which we're looking to develop a 1,000 new Black elected officials across the country by the year 2024. We have some other platform issues, which I'm sure we'll get to later. But again, it's time for us to own our own politics and our own voice. Black lives will not matter until Black policies do. Now, how can people mm. register, and how do you prove to voters that this party is knowledgeable and will matter? Yes, I think the big difference for us is that, one, we are trying to take the voice of the protest into the halls of power where it belongs. The group of us who are assembled for the steering committee are either current elected officials or former elected officials who, quite honestly, are not allowing fear to prevent us from doing what's needed for our community. And we're establishing that network across the country among elected officials, among organizers, community leaders, and people like you, just everyday folks. And so we want people to go to the website, um, www.ourblackparty.org, and sign up to get connected to the party in that way. Now, is it only open now, to Candace, black people? Because that's the first thing people would say that. Is it only for black people, or can anybody be part of our black party? There is no successful movement in this country that's been tackled without the support of allies and accomplices. And we don't see this as being any different in that regard. And to that point, when we say we need allies and we need accomplices, we need individuals who are willing to put it all on the line. So you can show us that you're an ally or an accomplice with your time, your talent, your treasure. We need your support. And again, for black folk or for anyone else who wants to join in, we want to make sure that this is something that belongs to all of us. And you can do so by joining us at ourblackparty.org. Candace and Wes, what would you say to folks who say, why wait until we are a few months away from November to do this? Well, the fact of the matter is, is the time of the essence is now. We've seen throughout history, people will always say that there's never a right time for black folk to take control of our own politics. People will always tell us to wait. Even when you think about the letter from Birmingham jail from Dr. King, he talks about the white moderate. And I would argue that we even have the same issue with the black moderate today. People who say that this is an effort that's going to be a distraction. This is something that's going to mess up the election. But we have to be very candid and very clear. If black folk taking control of our own policies and our own politics messes up a presidential election, that's a, l a larger issue that the candidates have to address. When we talk about what we need to do for our people, it's not just about the presidential election. There are uh, gubernatorial races going on. There are state Senate races. There are senator races, House seats, mayoral elections, city council elections, district attorney elections. And we need to use our collective energy to address those issues now. We cannot wait. The time of the essence is now, and black folk have to take control of our politics today. Why do you think people are, are afraid of the word black? Like you say Black Lives Matter. Oh, my gosh, Black Lives Matter. And the same thing with this Our Black Party. Do you think you have the same situations and, and possibly the same problems with that? 
Oh, undoubtedly. Uh, I think there are going to be people who are saying this is a distraction. There will be people who are saying that uh, why do you have to have just a black party? But when we're being, again, very candid, when you look around the country, you see a wide variety of different groups and cultural uh, constituencies who have their own political practices and bodies. When you look at the Latinx community, the Irish community, the Jewish community, when you look at the Tea Party and the phenomenon that took place a few years back, all these subgroups and all of these other people have the ability and they don't get pushed back for taking control of their politics. Why is it that when black folks say that we're going to do the same, that it's a problem? But we firmly mm-hmm. believe that irregardless of any of the, the naysayers or what anyone else may say, we have a duty and obligation to make sure that our people are represented. There's a song that's on the J. Electronica album that I love the best, and, and it's on the second number, track number two. This ain't for, for you scared Negroes. All you scared mm-hmm. to deaf right. Negroes, <laughs> all you scared to deaf Negroes, sit down and send your master out. This is for our people who are tired of not mm-hmm. being represented, who are tired of not having their voice heard. This is a vehicle. It's not the total vehicle. It's not the end-all, be-all, but this is a vehicle for us to get to where we need to be. All right. Yeah, Wes is my guy, man, and, you know, I think that we need a black party, and I think our black party is it, and um, I, I, I trust Wes because of his past political, his, his political experience, and I trust Mayor Candace Hollingsworth because of her political experience. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I just want to say, when this black man needed some water out in South Carolina, uh, Wes didn't help me. He let me know. He definitely helped me. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Candace Hollingsworth and Dr. Wes Bellamy for joining us. When we come back to Positive Notice, The Breakfast Club, good morning. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Now, Charlemagne, you got a positive note for the people? Yes, the positive note is simply this, man. As I say yes to life, life says yes to me. Life mirrors my every thought. As I keep my thoughts positive, life brings to me only good experiences. Breakfast Club, bitches! Y'all finished or y'all done? The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. The Breakfast Club. 